I totally agree with the sort of uh, encouragement that it offers to just, you know, work-a-day folks who need to be reading the Constitution that forms so much I of mean, their lives. at the end of the play, they literally <laughs> hand out pocket constitutions to the yeah. audience. everyone, welcome back to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. I am so glad to have you all with us and you here, Jackson, for another great episode of No Script. We're talking about a script that has uh, a lot of prominence in the past 10 years or so, contemporary script, and also like a weirdly it's almost like we like we the stuff in the world happened and then we were like we should do this script right. but i promise you that's not what <laughs> this is just on yeah. our schedule to do at this point in the season and it's just like the world is ready for this play in fact i would not be shocked to see some productions of this play done in different theaters across the country probably in the fall Uh, depending on what the rights situation is with it, I guess, given some of the stuff we'll talk about in the context section. Yeah, yeah. Ready Again might be a good way to think about it because when the play came out, uh, and especially when it was on Broadway and was produced, uh, it was the world was very ready for it. It's almost like this issue needs to be addressed still. Today we're talking about <laughs> what the Constitution <laughs> means to me by, by Heidi Under, Schreck. Understatement of the year. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Today we're talking about what the Constitution means to me by Heidi Schreck. Uh, a great, great play. Uh, excited to have the chance to read it. Um, we'll get into the context around it, but yeah, it's as Jacob said, it's been a play that's been had a pretty great run the last couple years as it's been developed and as it has moved into various different mediums. So I'm excited to have the chance to get to talk about it. Yeah, I, I really am too. And I'm also excited because this is like, this is going to be sort of a weird episode for us to do for a couple of reasons. One of them yeah. is the type of script this is. It Truth be told, it's a it's the kind of play that's a little surprising to me that anybody wrote down ever. I mean, because of its prominence and its Broadway run and the thing on Amazon, that people want to read it, and it is a very readable play. I'll say that. Um, but it's not. It, it's almost not a play uh, in the sense of it not being a, a piece of a, a narrative piece of work really in any sense it's almost more like storytelling or more like stand-up comedy or more like a, a really um a, a really passionate interesting funny speech um and now in saying all that it does seem to be designed to be replicated and produced without the people who wrote it to be able to do it it has characters it has a situation so it it, it's it's and it's certainly theater in the sense that it's a piece of live performance art happening in front of people but this is just all that to say this is just going to be a very different kind of script for us to figure out how to talk about so much of it is live and in the moment like stand-up comedy is 
Yeah, it's a really visceral script, a lot of uh, semi-autobiographical stuff, some just straight-up autobiographical stuff. It's also got a lot of kind of oral history sort of yeah. nature to it. A lot of, there's some transcripts brought in from court scenes and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it is going to be a sort of interesting play to deal with on, on a thematic level or on an analysis level. It's also an interesting play for us to be talking about specifically because of our own demographics and identity as human beings. Yeah, this this play is about uh, women and the way in which women and the law in America have interacted. Of course, based on the title, you know really specifically the way that the Constitution and its interpretation and its amendment have impacted women through the generations of Americans. And uh, Jackson and I are men. And so this this is one of those situations where we try to do the thing that we think is is the best way that we can approach it, which is to recognize who we are and what our perspective is and to also encourage you to not make this your only perspective. There are really spectacular articles, journals, uh, reviews written about the show that you could engage with. There's also a film of the show yeah, that you yeah. can watch and engage with on your own and with the people in your life. Yeah, yeah. If, if uh, The hope of our conversation is to have a good conversation around it. We have conversations about theater's best scripts. This is certainly one of those scripts. And we hope that from this conversation, you go and watch it. It's it's on Amazon Prime, or, or a recording of it is on Amazon Prime, free to watch for Prime users. So yeah, I hope that you continue uh, uh, any sort of enjoyment you get from this conversation by continuing on and either watching it or accessing those other opinions as well. Well, all right, we will get to the script here in just a second. But before we do that, we want to invite everybody who hasn't already to head on over to patreon.com slash no script podcast. That's all one word, patreon.com slash no script podcast. If you go over there, you can become a supporter, a financial supporter of the podcast. And we are uh, incredibly blessed and grateful for the folks that are already doing that on Patreon. Really, the fact that the podcast is has had the life that it's had, we've been able to do it for this long, we've been able to have these discussions, that is thanks in no small part to the fact that the costs for running this podcast are able to be supported by the folks on Patreon. We love to do this show. It's not free to do, though. There's a huge time investment, but on top of that, there's just straight-up money investment that has to go into making the show. If the folks on Patreon weren't supporting us, we couldn't do it. So we want to encourage you, if you haven't already become a financial supporter, please at least think about it. It is uh, really cheap to do, we think. We've tried to make it accessible to everybody. There's a $1 a month tier that you can access, and it'll $1 a month out of your account that goes to help support the running of the show. There are higher tiers if you can afford that, but the the $1 a month even is a huge uh, help to us over there. Of course, there are perks, which you can check out when you get over there. One of them is knowing in advance what scripts are coming up, what things are scheduled through the end of the year. So if that's interesting to you, or if you want to get a heads up on what's going to come next season, consider supporting the show. But really the major benefit is knowing that you make no script possible. So to those of you who support us on Patreon, thank you. We are so grateful you make what we do possible. If you haven't, please consider it. Patreon.com slash no script podcast. Yes. 
Thank you all so much for being patrons of the show. We, we super appreciate it, and we will see you over there. And last thing before we jump into our conversation about what the Constitution means to me is to point everybody, I guess, point back to, uh, point into the <laughs> Refer future. Refer again to uh, See <laughs> us to, to invite back. Oh, that's what, I, okay. Let me restart. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, so the next thing before we talk about what the Constitution <laughs> means to me is that we want to invite everybody back to no script two weeks from now two episodes from now of course you should check out the next episode as well but this promo is specifically for the episode two from now which is our special guest episode for season eight we are delighted to have jeffrey sweet join the show mr sweet and i have had a wonderful conversation on the play lemon sky by lanford wilson of course based on the way podcasting recording works there's no curtain to pull back we already had the conversation it's going to come out in a couple weeks it's it was very enjoyable. Uh, Jeffrey Sweet has tons of incredible stories from the industry. He is a playwright and a teacher out of New York City uh, and a screenwriter, and you will want to hear what he has to say about uh, someone that he knew personally and brings a lot of that into it as well. Lanford Wilson's play Lemon Sky again. So that episode, special guest episode, Jeffrey Sweet, be there or be square. Two weeks from the release of this episode, if you're listening along, two episodes forward in time if you're back listening. Yeah, excited for that conversation. Excited to share it with all of you. We will see you then for that one. But for today, let's get back to the script. Back to the script. All right, so I'm just going to give you a, just a brief context on uh, both the, shri- the the script and on Heidi Schreck. Um, this is the first uh, script we've done by uh, Heidi Schreck, and uh, so just to give you just a brief introduction to her, um, she actually uh, went to school at the University of Oregon for, I believe it was English is what she eventually landed on, but all while doing a lot of plays um, through, throughout her time in college. She, I, My understanding is she was one of those people that like started with something else in the theater department, you know, got just, yeah, they converted slowly. her over to the dark side or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, she, uh, as as the events or as the uh, the not the dialogue, the the speaking of the play. A lot of it is is a uh, one person speaking, but as the as the lines of the play suggest, um, uh, she. Uh, Worked in Siberia for a while, teaching English, and then she was a journalist in St. Petersburg, Russia, before moving back to Seattle, Washington, and kind of uh, moving more fully into her her calling as an actress and a writer. Um, she has been a writer on a number of different projects. She's a screenwriter in addition to her playwriting. Her first play, Creature, was actually directed by Leigh Silverman, um, and then uh, her subsequent plays are There Are No More Big Secrets, uh, The Consultant, The Grand, uh, Grand Concourse. And then she's written for a number of uh, TV shows as well, as I mentioned, including Nurse Jackie. Interestingly, we haven't talked specifically about any of her plays before, but we've talked about a play that she won an award for as an actress. Um, She won an award for uh, her role in Circle Mirror Transformation by Annie Baker. She won an Obie Award for that performance, for a distinguished performance in 2010 in that role. So uh, so that's that's a fun sort of connection there. Um, She uh, wrote this play, What the Constitution Means to Me, starting in 2017. Um, It was directed by Oliver Butler at that production. And it was commissioned by True Love Productions. The next uh, iteration of the play, it had its West Coast premiere at Berkeley Repertory Theater in 2018. 
Um, a number of other, uh, it had its off-Broadway premiere in 2018 as well, um, and uh, then had its main Broadway premiere at the Helen Hayes Theater in March 31st of 2019. Um, then subsequently after that had a, uh, a sold out show at the Kennedy Center Theater, uh, uh, performing arts Eisenhower Theater in Washington, D.C. in 2019. And uh, then in 2020 also <laughs> had uh, a showing at the Mark Taper Forum Center Theater Group in, in that year as well. So so this play has just just had a just a, a, a juggernaut of a journey from 2017 to 2020. It also, as we've mentioned frequently, uh, was turned into an Amazon uh, a filmed uh, filmed production on Amazon that you can watch on Amazon Prime, which I highly recommend that you do. That that production also starred Heidi in the title role of Heidi. I believe the last production I read out had a new cast in 2020. Um, but all the other productions, Heidi played the role of Heidi. It's a it's a semi autobiographical play, um, quite autobiographical play if I'm if I'm uh, kind of tracking it correctly. Um, and and has had a, a a pretty great run. The the Amazon production was kind of fast tracked to be done before the 2020 elections because it. It was a very uh, prevalent theme in the 2020 elections, uh, and so they they, they kind of fast tracked it, got it got it done in time for that, and uh, it's continued to sort of live on in that way. And I agree with Jacob; there there will likely be though, though there are some uh, significant. I mean, it's it's a significant. Uh, uh, in terms of how many lines you have to memorize for this play, there will be some hurdles to regional theaters doing this, but not hurdles that can't be overcome. This this play would be very relevant, very pertinent, and would present a great, great role for, for people to dig into. So excited to get to the chance to jump into it and talk about it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So... I have absolutely no idea how to do this synopsis. I definitely lucked out this week. I was thinking about it. I was like, I absolutely lucked out this week. Because it's it's part speech, it's part story, it's part history, it's part debate. It's it's so the show is uh the character Heidi, who again it's a it's tough to call it a character or her character because it was played by Heidi the playwright right. and the character's character quote unquote's name is so it's really just her uh gives this it's it's not a long play maybe you know 90 minutes 2 hours you know would be i think 2 hours would be long for this show so it's it's like a long presentation i'm sorry a short presentation that has theatrical elements given by her. It's not a one-person show in the sense that there are other people. There is uh, a male actor who plays uh, basically a, this legionnaire character. I'll describe what that is and why that's important in a minute. Uh, and then at the very end of the show, a high school woman is invited. And my, my understanding of the script is that this is to be a, an honest-to-goodness, genuine high schooler. Um, and, and that if you look at some of the cast lists from the productions, there's more than three people listed presumably because of laws surrounding casting minors in shows uh, and so there had to be multiple high school women involved in the production on a rotating basis and the script sort of reflects that as well and and so this high school character comes in at the end of the play and has a debate like a formal on stage like debate like I was in debate in high school like that kind of debate with the Heidi main protagonist I don't know if even that word really applies the the speaker Heidi uh, at the end of the play. Um, the framing device for this 
it is it's sort of a pseudo one person show with these two characters floating basically at the beginning and at the end uh is that the show starts with Heidi saying basically um when I was you know a teenager 15 I would go across the country to these legionnaire uh events that were held where I would give speeches uh and prepared speeches and extemporaneous speeches on the constitution on what it means to me, and then I was so good at it that I won awards, and I kept doing it more and more and more. You can sort of see that again. This is all you know, semi autobiographical, so it becomes it's true of Heidi Schreck's real life, and you can sort of see how that evolves into when she went to college. Eventually, she uh, you know was going to study law initially, of course. After all that, it ended up being an actor um, and a playwright, and so that you could sort of see that come out of this part of who she is. So the framing device is now as. Uh, uh, an older woman, older than a teenager at least, um, she's looking back on that time and she basically recreates those speeches sort of with a very strong backwards lens um, with with some distance, with commentary on the speech she was giving. So that's the role of the Legionnaire male character too. He sort of functions as a facilitator for the speech, you know, uh, offering what time limit she has, giving her the prompts to speak and things like that. And so she speaks about the history somewhat of the Constitution, about its personal relevance to her uh, in her life then as a 15-year-old, what her sense of the world was then and how the Constitution related to her, and now, much later in life, what her sense not only of how the Constitution relates to her now as that much later in life person, but also on the things that she wasn't prepared to say even at 15 about that. Um, There's quite a bit of sort of constitutional history. You learn about um, some really important cases, some really important amendments throughout, again, in that sort of political speechy sort of role. And you also hear a really incredible, moving story about her grandmother that's told in sort of sections as she moves through. And I would call that like one of the main narratives in the show. It it doesn't occupy a ton of stage time. It's just that that's one of the few like beginning to end journey kinds of narratives that we see, which is the story of her grandmother who uh, married a man in Washington state. um, And they lived there. He was wonderful. They had a bunch of kids. He died and she ends up marrying uh, an abusive, a very abusive man who actually ends up sexually abusing one of the children. And the sort of journey of discovering what that what that legacy means for her family, what that impact was on her grandma, evaluating the choices made, evaluating how the law interacted with them and with other women like them throughout the history of this country. That all sort of wraps up in the speech section, which is the end of part one. It actually ends up being, I would imagine, more like two-thirds and one-third. Um, about two-thirds of the show is that kind of speech. And then the final third is this debate where, a again, I believe a contemporary, true-to-life high school woman is invited to have a debate about should we abolish the Constitution of the United States. And based on who the person is that's on that night, uh, the Heidi character either takes pro or con, and a lively debate ensues between the two characters. Uh, There's also audience interaction at the end. They decide who won the debate. And then there are a series of like kind of uh, 
fun questions. What song do you like to dance to? I don't know. What's your favorite flavor of Skittle? I'm making these up. I don't think these are actually in the play, but just examples. They're not, you know, not, they're not heavy or political questions necessarily. I suppose they could be because those questions are also pulled from they're In this case, they're pulled from the previous night's audience. And then the show ends with a prepared or planted question, which is like, where do you see yourself? Heidi asking the teenage woman, where do you see yourself in, in 30 years? Um, and her describing then how the country, how she imagines the country might change, what her role might be in this sort of changing society. It's it's a hard because all that's so live. There's so much improv interaction. There's so much relationship with the audience. So much can change. So you know, in some ways, it's like one of those plays, like a courtroom play or like Clue, where the audience determines the ending. It's a little bit like that. It's a little bit like I don't know if you know uh, Mike Birbiglia. He's like my favorite comedian by far in part because what he does are almost one-person shows rather than stand-up comedy acts. They're very narrative. They have a huge arc that that has plot points and metaphors throughout. So I would call like one of Mike Birbiglia's acts like more stand-up comedy than theater. And then on sort of the other side of that spectrum is this show, which is more <laughs> theater than stand-up comedy or political speech. But they kind of are in this, this nebulous cloud together. I think. Yeah, I, so, so, yeah, certainly some similarities. I, I, I wonder if like just there's, there's so much to talk about in this play, and zooming in on one area or the other would 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 kind of occupy the whole time. So we're just gonna jump in. What do you think? I mean, this this play has kind of captivated a lot of audiences, especially in as as I mentioned in the context that sort of meteoric rise. Um, it it I, I, what I failed to mention in the context is it was also nominated for the pull. It was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. It was nominated for the 2019 Tony Award. Nominated for the 2019 Tony Award for Best Actress. So this this play like just took the took the scene by storm. Um, what what about it is is the kind of resonative um, makes it the resonative juggernaut that it is. Yeah, so much, of course. Uh, a couple of things I think are really um, interesting and engaging about it. First of all is its sort of contemporary urgency. I mean, as we sort of were able to laugh about a little bit, it's like this came out then and then it was it gained the surge of popularity right around when it was becoming incredibly politically urgent to do something as the 2020 election approaches. And then again, we're, we're sort of feeling like the play has a new urgency now in the wake of the Roe v. Wade decisions. And, and regardless of where you stand on that particular issue, this is in a lot of ways a play that deals with that issue, the complexity, the power relationships involved, the pain involved, um, and and actually specifically talks about it in the sense of a it, uh, the way that the Supreme Court and the Constitution have historically dealt with this issue and issues like it. So it has a, a real urgency in the sense of speaking to something that matters so much in our society. It's the kind of show that I cross your fingers in a hundred years, nobody will have ever heard of. To be to be honestly and frank with you, right? If society gets better on some of these issues, and I will say that right. I don't know that the play predicts that it will, but if it yeah. does, right, and we leave some of this baloney that we're dealing with that the play criticizes behind, I don't know. I don't really know that this play will have that much relevance if some of those issues become you know, issues from the the distant past. And the play is so active and moving and important because of the way it engages those issues. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I think that's an interesting insight and like knock knock on wood for for that that possible future. But but yeah, the the, the yeah, I would think Heidi Shrek would would like root for that. I mean, even absolutely. though it matters to her career, like in a hundred years, if nobody knows what this play is and is shocked by when they discover this text dealing with these old fashioned uh, beliefs and ideas that these people had a hundred years ago, like Heidi Shrek would be thrilled with that. I'm sure. All right, and, and it'll be it'll have been a part of it because what this play does is it brings that conversation into the spotlight and it brings it into the spotlight in a way that like has an expert explaining something that many of us uh, find find elusive, right? Like constitutional law, constitutional um, uh, uh, consequences for laws and decisions being made is is a is a topic that not everyone you know wakes up and and engages with. Probably pretty unfortunately, because if we did, maybe there would be some more kind of cultural awareness around it. But what this play does is it presents the information, especially around, I believe, the Ninth and Fourteenth Amendment of the Constitution, in really compelling ways. It drills down on it and and presents it. In this sort of, uh, uh, yeah, this I mean, this sort of uh, certainly comedic, sometimes tragic theme. Very and irreverent. Yeah. Very per- it, I mean, it's being so personal, I think, is mm-hmm. the other thing that's so wonderful about it, is that it's not just a speech. And it's not just a stand-up comedy act where it's just joke after joke. These are really moving personal stories from her life. She describes some of the more painful incidents in her life in relationship to men, in relationship to sex, in relationship to pregnancy, and in the way that the law has protected or dealt with her. So it being so personal and approachable in context of those issues just really brings you in. Yeah. And and also the sort of visceral live nature of it uh also also like makes makes it a really lived experience if you've seen any of the scenes from from the amazon production or if you got a chance to see the show itself um you know that the show has this like connectedness like like it's 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 the main vessel which it chooses to tell its message is through connectedness to the audience. Um, uh, uh, Heidi, Heidi Shrek's like embodiment of her own character really like really sells the show. Um, there's, there's, I mean, the, it reads just fine and it reads interestingly, but the, seeing those couple scenes, you really get the sense that there is this genuine connection, genuine uh, love for the subject matter um, but also some genuine pain around it too. And, and, and that sort of, yeah, the sort of live nature of it, even with the other characters in the play, though they probably, I don't know, it's a fraction, a small fraction of the play. Do they get, do they get as many lines as, as the Heidi character does, but even, but all of it has this sort of live on fire sort of feel to it. Yeah. I think one of the other things that works so well is, is the accessibility of the way she presents this information. And let me describe what I mean. What you just talked about, Jackson, was how unusual it is to have these kinds of discussions about constitutional law. Now, of course, in the past four or five years in our country, that's been brought more to the forefront, in part because we've replaced so many justices all kind of in a row here in the past five years. But but so, so constitutional law, the way the Supreme Court interprets the Constitution, is, of course, incredibly complicated. And typically, you only see it talked about by experts. And you described the Heidi character as an expert. And I, I do think that the play presents her that way, but I she's not a lawyer. She's not yeah. a judge. 
She's not a political commentator. She, so what, what is she? she? She's playing a 15-year-old version of herself, for the first part of the show at least, who did some research, right. you know, uh, who, yeah. who like read some books, who, who looked into the history of this stuff. And so I think the lens that the play provides in sort of a, uh, an underlying, almost a sneaky way is this idea that like, what I'm describing to you, I'm, now I'm Heidi, what I'm describing to you <laughs> it, about the history of the Constitution, about the the really sexist, violent, powerful ways that some of these laws came about uh, is not information that you'd only know if you have a degree and you've become an expert. You, you too can go to the library and think these things through for yourself and then go give this kind of a presentation. I'm just, I, I think the play's lens is like, I, Heidi, am just a regular person who did some research and have come to these conclusions both by way of my own painful personal experiences and through the kind of research, frankly, anybody can do. Yeah, I think that that that's a useful correction uh, on on the term expert, and I wonder if the like true meaning of the term amateur is closer to it. A lover of a subject yeah. matter um, uh, is 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 the actual term for amateur. Colloquially, it it means other things, but the actual term just means I don't do this professionally, but I love it, and so I commit my time and my energy to it. Um, and I wonder if that's a little bit closer. And the and I I totally agree with the sort of uh, encouragement that it offers to just you know. So work a day folks who need to be reading the constitution that forms so much I of mean, their lives. At the end of the play, they literally <laughs> hand out pocket constitutions to the yeah. audience. I mean, I really believe that part of what this play is, is like a slap to like, you know, it's not that hard. Right. You could just, you could read it sometimes. And, and another vessel that kind of makes that point clear, I think, is the debate at the end. Um, in a similar way that kind of in our cultural moment, I'm forgetting the actual title of the show that I'm going to reference right now, but the smarter than a fifth grader or something like that. Are you smarter than a fifth? I can't, I don't think there I can is. sing any more than that because we'll get sued. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you got it. Right, right. It, so so, so in the same way that that show kind of shows off, see, our kids are able to know this stuff. Why don't you? <laughs> no, um, I agree. Yes. You have that sort of like moment at the end of the, at the end of the play where, you know, these, these, these young, very, uh, very intelligent kids, basically young adults, not young adults, kids, they're teenagers. They come on and they just have this really robust debate about the constitution, a, a debate that switches on a, on a given night too, which is an interesting sort of script thing about it is that the the Heidi character will swap which side of the debate she is on based on a given night based on perhaps on which which of the uh the younger actors are coming that night so so it's just it's this it's this kind of important moment at the end where you see these young minds able to grapple with the complexities of the constitution and you wonder well maybe I could you know at least read this thing that they gave me at the end of the play well and I think on the flip side the other thing that the script does pretty consistently throughout is I I, I don't know that I would call it an outright rejection or a, a total criticism or anything like that but I do think it poses a question about the way that our system of government relies on these nine 
quote unquote experts to make mm. decisions about people's human rights. And and again, I don't I'm not taking a particular stance on this, at least on this podcast. We can get a drink and talk about it later if you want. Yeah. But and, and I don't think Heidi takes a specific stance in the writing of the play, but I do think that she poses the question. Some of the uh, uh, recordings, the transcripts that are provided from the Supreme Court making decisions about human lives are 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 so ridiculous as to be openly mocked by the character and the people like uh uh the 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 exchange that a couple of the justices have uh with, about uh, the word shall when yeah. interpreting the, the about this case it was a famous case i'm afraid i can't remember the title i should have written that down but uh the case in which the supreme court decided that the colorado i think it's castle rock police department did not were not obligated to intervene to protect a woman and her children from her from their abusive spouse that the constitution did not obligate them to step in and protect that family and there's a recording of the justices and there and this is just after Heidi said you know you listen you looked at the transcript and they don't even really talk about the human or the impacts or the danger the fear that she felt about the the way that she reached out to the authorities in her town for support and help they spend the time discussing grammar and they end yeah. up in a debate about the word shall. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the Castle Rock versus Gonzalez case from uh I believe uh 2005 and 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 yeah, it's it's it, it reads like an Ionesco play. It does. <laughs> like, it's, that's so right. Yes. It's, it's like these this sort of absurd level of focus on the word shall while uh, another an, uh, I believe it's the um uh, one one of the attorneys in the room are trying to get them to focus somewhere else on I th- something I th- I other than is, the word shall. This is pretty close to a quote. It may not be exact, but I think it's Scalia who says something crazy like, I, I'm just asking if the word shall means shall. It's right. like, what the, what are I we mean, doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. The the sort of light that it shines on scenes like that, again, with this sort of uh, just, just, uh, cutting sort of uh, uh, clarity and and tone of the, of the actress who is playing Heidi really like kind of shifts the focus away from or or onto these moments uh, uh, that 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 you that seem like they should be complicated when maybe they could be simplified quite a bit and just to think about it from like a technical writing script arranging point of view for a second I, I think this is right that the three transcripts we get from the Supreme Court the first one is from uh, the a really old case about birth control that the Supreme Court took on. Then we get a quote from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and then we get this debate about the word shall, or, or I may have the order mixed up there. The point being, we get these three, right? And two of them involve only men, and one of them involves, at this point, the most famous of the women who've sat on the Supreme Court because she became sort of a pop icon, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? Now, Heidi does, I will say, take those... She She's very particular in how she chooses the context of those answers because of course Ruth the famous Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote about there's going to be enough women on the Supreme Court where there are nine of course is a much more carefully constructed sort of media bit uh, not to say that she didn't believe it she obviously did but it's not quite the same as cutting like an exchange totally out of context from a Supreme Court dialogue right? so sure, there's some sure. careful and artful arranging but what she does with the arrangement is sort of point out 
out the ludicrousness sometimes of these so-called experts, especially when most of those experts, an exponentially large percentage, have been only white men throughout the history of the country. These are the quote-unquote experts that are literally determining people's human rights. And and you get the, the snippet from the birth control exchange so carefully arranged and cut for and, and handed to us as the audience is these two men, at this point it's a lawyer and a justice, trying to talk about birth control and basically right. stuttering and coughing through the whole thing because they almost like... I can just imagine like their faces are beat red and they're sweating from like <laughs> embarrassment and, and awkwardness about talking about birth control. And they're making decisions about the rights of women for birth control at the time. Right. And and all this sort of like focus on the disparity there on 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 the quote from RBG and 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 really draws us into that question that the kind of second act or the part two or the or just the debate asks, um, which is I think deliberately provocative, um, which is is the Constitution yeah. just too old? Like, do we just need to like get rid of the Constitution and write something new? Um, and 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 then so so that that question being asked at the end of part one, and then bringing on the actual debate of it and. And the debate of it with a high school student um, is is just like it's it's masterful. <laughs> like uh, the way again that the way that the this play suggests quite um, uh, robust things, but does so through a way that is understandable, that is approachable, and that is hospitable, even while it is it is cutting and and uh, and and witty and all these things. <laughs> um, uh, really, really shines in that sort of final debate scene where you get to see, you know, a, a pretty pretty seismic suggestion: Do we get rid of the Constitution and write something new? Um, debated in front of you, something that you would never go to a town hall meeting for um you know i mean maybe you would but it would be a very contentious town hall meeting yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, no, right and, and so in, in that way rather than having like one narrative or a series of vignetted narratives that you would see in other kinds of drama in this case this play and i know earlier i said it's almost not a play but it, it, is, it is it is it's just it's on you know it's in a borderland let's call it but <laughs> this play is like a series of staged theatrical events that have been really brilliantly tied and strung together. You get this sort of theatrical event of a woman later in life playing her teenage self giving a legionnaire speech with commentary from the future and it sort of moves into a new theatrical event of this woman later in life telling the stories that she would have been too embarrassed to tell when she was 15. I think there's a, a really beautiful moment where she describes sort of wanting to protect her teenage self from having to tell those stories in the moment where she says, I'm going to set aside playing my teenage self for now and just be me because I sort of want to protect my teenage self from having to say these things because she at the time was not ready to do that. And there's this sort of beautiful, I, I think that's one of the moments of genius in the show, a pulling together of theater being both staged non you know it's a it's a it's a false reality in some ways but at the same time she makes this theatrical shift 
in, in an implication that there is something sort of real happening to her and to us in that moment. And then we move to a new theatrical event of this uh, teenager coming to have this sort of staged, pre-scripted debate about the Constitution. Then there's a new theatrical event where the audience votes on yeah. the result of the debate. <laughs> then there's a new theatrical event, which is asking questions that the actors answer impromptu. Uh, that's a sort of an unscripted moment. And then we end the show with a final scripted moment of this teenager describing her place in the future of the country. So it's it's these sort of building block moments that are theatrical in nature and that are tied together by an experience, but not so much by a narrative. Yeah, yeah. It's a very very episodic plot structure. If you were going to if you're going to give it some sort of um uh graft. <laughs> thing um uh it's it's got these sort of vignettes i, I would say moments. that uh, at first at face value it does not appear to be episodic like, it, it's not divided into scenes and such but i do think i agree with you in the sense like in how it's built it flows one to the other but like we've described they are these almost separate moments that just fit together in sort of a a way that you would describe as episodic that you kind of go on the ride for you the 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 first the first act that this the scenes that you described her kind of stepping in and out of her character you also have this other you know basically side character pretty literally yeah. side side yeah. character <laughs> of of Mike who plays the legionnaire who uh eventually through the stage directions especially of the script but through the action on the on the stage moves away from being this sort of judge um, of of her and her speech to being, I believe the word that is used eventually is clear that he's become her ally or her assistant in on on stage. So he starts to like hand her things, hand uh, various props and things like that. At one point, she invites him to kind of say who the actor is. Um, in in another of these kind of like real slash pseudo real scripted <laughs> moments. Yeah, that that moment has has I think maybe more than any other moment like layers of illusion and reality that are, are right. almost a little odd to deal with, honestly, in, in the context of the rest of the play. Because the rest of the play, there is this like real people telling their stories, sort of, but you sort of understand there's also a character at the same time. But in this case, an actor is playing the character that Heidi Shrek wrote to play the character of the Legionnaire. And then right. when that actor comes out of the Legionnaire character into the actor character, it's sort of as if this was the real actor now, but it, that actor tells a pre-written story by Heidi Shrek from what I would imagine is another actor who once played the role. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's wild. Yeah, and and it's it's kind of deliberately alienation, if in the in the Brechtian sense, this sort of like reset moment. Um, it's like two or three pages of a monologue from the Mike character, there, and there's other moments like that. There's moments where Heidi yells up to the booth and asks them to play the tape of the Supreme Court moment, which is obviously a a preset moment. They have the tape of the Supreme Court moment there, but it has this sort of like theater of alienation effect of like oh. Yeah, let's reset. We're in a theater watching this thing happen, and then you re-engage again. Sort of, sort of the Brechtian technique of of uh, kind of re reorienting, re-engaging, so you can continue to stay awake to what the play is actually trying to deliver and uh, the point that it's trying to make. 
And that's where I think maybe we we should bring in Jackson a, the a word from the play, which both describes what the play, uh, how sort of how the play approaches these issues, and also how the play approaches being a play, which is the word penumbra. And I, I, uh, I I'm I, I'm a notoriously bad pronouncer of words, so that may not be quite correct. <laughs> yeah, but I think you were right. Let's hope it's let's hope it's right. <laughs> uh, and so penumbra is this. Uh, term for like sort of the edge of a specific type of shadow. It's like you could sort of generally describe it as this sort of gray area, and, and you could almost mean literally gray area, where light meets darkness, right? This sort of space between. And that's where uh, earlier when I was sort of going back and forth on whether Heidi you know, presents like a specific opinion on some issues. I think more than an opinion, it's more of a question or more of describing the penumbra, the odd, complicated space between that so much of this lives in and so much of American history has lived in. And that's sort of how the play approaches the issues and how it approaches the Constitution and things like that. But it's also, as we've been trying to figure out here in this like theater versus reality versus speech versus experience the play itself is a kind of penumbra i doubt we're the first people to say that that i don't don't think that's like brilliant insight but i do think it's fascinating about sort of what this play is and why it's hard to categorize and describe it's both illusion and reality at the same time it's both live and happening in the moment and very prescripted that's sort of true of all theater but i think in this case those things mean something very specific yeah yeah and 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 uh, a penumbra as well is is a bridge right it's the, it's the it's the piece between two states <laughs> a light and and shadow so so you so you have the i think that's in this play too of this like you know this is this is a spot where you get to kind of transition, where we hold the the messiness of the question without necessarily landing on the answer, um, and and that's evidenced in the in the fact. I mean, you know, if if you're if you're someone who analyzes scripts, and we do that a lot on this podcast, um, you often try to analyze the the playwright's stance on something, um, and and the playwright has specifically. Um, Worked against that at the very end by by noting that Heidi will uh, defend either side of the issue based on a given night. Yes, that's a great point, and that's a great point about it being a penumbra too, because it it, it can't be either or. Because you're right, the, the end of the play, at least the written script that we have, is like one version of the debate with one particular example of the kind of teenager that might come and do this debate. And then provided is an alternate where a different teenager came, and I sort of assume they get to pick. Like the actual teenager in real life who's going to do this on, you know, maybe Tuesdays and Fridays gets to pick on Tuesdays and Fridays. I'll be for you'll be against And a different teenager who's doing Wednesdays and Sundays might say, I'll be against and you be for. And the Heidi character moves between those worlds, which really prevents this play, although you wouldn't know it on any individual night. Right. Yep. From being one thing or the other. It's a penumbra. It's the space between. It's a bridge between. And and to just be clear, uh, because I think it's it's somewhat important, the the sort of penumbraness or the space between or the ability to hold the question in tension is 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 around the issue of the Constitution's abolition <laughs> or re- removing. There are other uh, social issues like women's rights and access to health care that that the playwright comes down 
decidedly for. Um, but but this issue uh, at, at the end holds that sort of liminal space, the space that that honestly society needs to move towards if any change is going to happen. You need to have a way to engage each other in a penumbra space. And then not only that, it even advocates healthy engagement further by having the debate and then having this humanizing moment of the debaters afterwards. That's not just a throwaway sort of fun moment where, you know, a, a 30 or 40 year old actress sits down with a 16 year old actor and, 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 and has a conversation. I think that's intentionally meant to say, so now that we've debated this topic, think about the person. Think about the person that is behind them, answer some questions, get to know them. And then there's the scripted moment at the end where you get to hear about the vision of this teenager who is going, who is starting out the dreams that they have moving into, uh, into the world and into the world that they, they want to sort of craft out of, out of their expertise or their amateurness in, in, with the constitution and with the world that they want to build. I, and it, I think for me, to return to maybe I, we start with this was early in the conversation. This the question of like what about this play is so captivating, the the sort of urgent way that Heidi makes the case, both the character and the actor and the playwright, who is all at once in some productions, but the urgent way that she makes the case that the personal and the political are inextricably linked that they are the same that 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 we have this notion of like armchair experts and we're bringing in the expert thing again right the right. supreme court justices are they just look at the facts and they just give us the what the constitution says and i think by now we all kind of know that's baloney <laughs> and and in this play i think heidi really takes if more than any other subject uh, maybe besides just sort of generally the, the 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 injustice against women maybe more than anything else besides that the the idea that she takes to task though not by name is the idea that all this can be divorced from our personal stories and she goes on to point out things like when the Supreme Court decided on the birth control issue, uh, lo and behold, at the time, several of these armchair experts who were deciding about birth control were having affairs and desperately right. needed a way for their mistresses not to get pregnant. So, oh, what do you know? Suddenly yep. birth control is allowable. And so it's things like that that she paints that portrait alongside her own personal stories. The story of getting into a car with a boy in college and being pressured to have sex with him. The story of her own pregnancy as a young woman. The story of her grandmother and that abusive man that they lived with and eventually used the law to as a way to protect themselves. The stories about people like Jessica Gonzalez, who the, the reality for her of violence and terror was divorced from the political issue of the word shall in the debate. So all these things get, you get this sort of portrait, this engaging, really refreshing portrait of like, all of this matters because of our experience alongside our research and analysis. 
I, I, that, 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 that's such a compelling point. We're, we're running out of time on the podcast, but that's that's the sort of stuff that this play generates. <laughs> that sort of a conversation, that sort of a, uh, a call towards experience, towards hospitality, towards empathy, towards uh, uh, solidarity um, on, on a lot of these issues, all while managing to hold this sort of penumbra space. It's an awesome play. Hope that you uh, go out and watch it either on Amazon Prime or live um, or, and, and read it. And if if you are looking for folks to talk about it once you are done having uh, seen it, we hope that w this space can be one of those spots. There are people who have uh, seen, watched, been a part of this play, at the very least, We've read it um, and would love to keep having this conversation with you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the username at NoScriptPodcast. We also have a Gmail, NoScriptPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on any of those sites. We'd love to keep talking about what the Constitution means to me with you. Absolutely. If you've enjoyed this conversation or any of our other conversations, please pass on our podcast to your families and friends. Anybody you know that likes stories, scripts, theater, just likes having discussions about this kind of stuff send them our way they can find us on podbean uh, uh oh goodness podbean google play <laughs> apple yeah. Podcasts, spotify i think i got there crush it uh, yep. yeah woo. or you can like us on facebook every monday a link to the new episode appears there we hope to see you back yes for next week where we'll have a great conversation too but especially for two weeks from now two episodes from now when jeffrey sweet joins the podcast to talk about lemon sky by lanford wilson so until next week when we're talking about another play, I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. Thanks for joining us for No Script the Podcast. We'll see you.